Hello, Westover. It's so good to be back with you today. I trust that you're having a great day. We're here to continue our series entitled Kingdom Come. Kingdom Come. The Bible tells us that Jesus, in his prayer to the Father, when he was teaching the disciples, he said, Our Father in heaven. And then he went on to say, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so today I want to focus on the topic of authority, on the topic of authority. It's important for us to understand that authority in the kingdom of God is very important. Some months ago, I went to lunch with a friend of mine. He happens to be a retired three-star general. And I began to ask him, what's it like to be a three-star general? And he said, well, it's a lot of responsibility. He also said that it carries with it a whole lot of authority as well. But he made an important distinction. He said to me, Jonathan, when I'm at home, I'm just a regular man. But when I would go to work and I would put on that coat or that uniform with the stars on my shoulder, it conveyed to me authority. I could walk into just about any room and command respect. And it's because the government and my commander in chief provided authority and responsibility to me. And so I got to think about that when it comes to the kingdom of God. For you see, God has all authority. In fact, Jesus, after he died and he rose again, right before he ascended up into heaven, he said these very words. And I wanna invite you to join me in Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus said this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What strikes me about that is that Jesus says, I have all the authority in the world. And if you read that passage, you continue to look at it, what you'll notice is that Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. What he was saying to them is, I'm conveying to you the authority I have from God, and I wanna give it to you so that you can make a kingdom impact. And I find that very profound. I think that's very important for us to understand because sometimes we walk through life and we see God as savior and we see God as Lord, but we don't always see him as king, as the ruling king of our life. In fact, many of us were struggling in this season because we don't have a proper perspective of the kingship of God. Some of you right now, you're stressed out, you're overwhelmed. And yes, there are the hard things of life, but there are also some very heavy things of life. And some of it is just the moment that we're in, but some of it, I wanna suggest to you, is spiritual pressure from the enemy. For you see, the enemy, he wants to destroy you. He wants to put his thumb on you. He wants to get you to not believe in God and to run away from God in this season. And truly what we need to do is we need to press into God. So I wanna invite you, press into God. Press into God. And what you'll notice is that if you press into him, he will give you heavenly authority over spiritual darkness. So today, I wanna speak on the topic, waging war for the king. Waging war war for the king. And I want to invite you to join me in 2 Corinthians 10. We're going to look at the word of God together. These are the words of the apostle Paul. We're going to look at verses three through four. So open up your Bible, open up your Bible app, open your Westover app. Let's look at the word of God together. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. God, in this moment, you're inviting us to wage war for you 
to wage war for our family, to wage war for our marriage, to wage war for the future. And God, you've given us spiritual authority. And I pray right now, as people are listening, that you would tug on their heart through the Holy Spirit and let them know that they can rely on you, the King, and that you've conveyed that authority and that they can use that authority to defeat spiritual darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I wanna share with you three ways to wage war for the king. Three ways to wage war for the king. Number one, pick up your spiritual sword. Pick up your spiritual sword. Now the Bible tells us that our spiritual sword is the Bible. And some of us, that is our last resort. After everything has gone on, after we've tried everything, it's the last thing that we do. But the first thing we need to do is pick up our spiritual sword. For you see, in this season, and to conquer spiritual darkness, willpower and won't power won't work. What we need is a spiritual sword. I have found in my life that spiritual wars require spiritual swords. Spiritual wars require spiritual swords. You need a weapon that has been forged in heaven to defeat spiritual darkness. And I think sometimes we try to do it on our own and we get frustrated and we realize, why can't I make progress in this area of my life? I'm struggling, I'm having difficulty. And it seems like everything is going wrong in my life. What we fail to realize is that we're in a spiritual war. But we have hope today because Jesus in Luke chapter four, he gives us a masterclass on spiritual warfare, on how we can pick up a spiritual sword. For you see, Jesus, he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. He fasted for 40 days, he didn't eat. And then at the end of the 40 days, Satan showed up and began to tempt him. And Jesus, instead of relying on himself, he decided to implement the plan of God. And I wanna share with you two things that Jesus did to win the war against Satan. Number one, Jesus prepared. He prepared by memorizing the Bible. He spent time memorizing the Bible. What strikes me about this is that he was the word, but he still memorized the word. For you see, when Satan came to him and began to offer temptations to Jesus, what Jesus said is, it is written. What that tells me is that Jesus spent some time in the word of God to learn what God's word had to say about something. Now, the truth is he had the ability and the authority to just speak and defeat the enemy. But the reason he did that, the reason he spoke the word of God was he wanted to teach us how to live and how to win the war. Some of us, we need to take the time to memorize the Bible. For you see, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And I just wanna offer you a little bit of an aside because in the story of Jesus, we notice that Satan doesn't come at the very beginning of the fast. He comes at the very end of the fast. For you see, the enemy, he always tries to find the most opportune time to attack you. I have found in my own life that there are three conditions when we get attacked. Number one, when we're depleted. That's when we're empty, when we're distracted, when we're not paying attention. And number three, when we're distant, when we've drifted away from God. So what do we do? What do we do when we find ourselves depleted, distracted, and distant? Well, we need to stay full. We need to stay full of God. Number two, we need to stay vigilant. As they say in the military, we need to keep our head on a swivel. We need to pay attention to what's happening in our life. And number three, we need to stay close to God. 
We need to get close to him. We need to get cozy with him. We need to allow him to be our protection. For you see, when we're in one of those three states, the enemy is watching and he's crouching at the door looking for a way to attack you and to destroy you. So stay vigilant, stay close to God and stay full. And the second thing that Jesus did to defeat the enemy is that he performed. Jesus performed. When the moment came, Jesus began to quote scripture. In fact, if you look at the story in Luke chapter four, what you'll notice is that Jesus said twice, it is written. And then the third time he said, it it, it has been said. What's interesting about that is he took the time to read the word of God, but then to utter it out, to speak out. For you see, there's power of life and death in the tongue. When we allow the word of God to be in our mouth, we're able to speak life and truth, and it has authority to conquer the enemy and to speak life into situations that are dead. And some of you, you're finding yourself in a difficult situation. You feel like everything is dead. What God is inviting you to do is to put his word in your mouth. What I have found is that confronting Satan's lies The only way that you can do that is with God's truth. Confront Satan's lies with God's truth. Let the word be in your mouth and speak it out and it will help you confront the lies of Satan. Here's the reason why. In Ephesians 6, 17, it tells us that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And then when we look at Revelation, what we notice in chapter 19, verse 15, it says this, from his mouth, speaking of Jesus, came a sharp sword to strike down the enemies of God, the nations that had turned against God. Out of his mouth came a sword. When you put the word of God in your mouth, you have a spiritual sword in your mouth to defeat the enemy. So if you feel like you haven't had a chance to break through in your life, you feel like you're still hitting a wall in some area of your life, put the word of God in your mouth and you'll be prepared and you'll be able to perform in the moment when you're being attacked. But sometimes, some of us, what we've done is we've only said the word of God once. We get attacked and then we quote one scripture and then the enemy keeps coming after us. And so we stop and then we feel like the word of God is ineffective. If you look at the story of Jesus, what you'll notice is that he was attacked three times and each time he quoted scripture. And after that season of testing, the enemy left him. Some of us, We need to quote scripture repeatedly. We need to speak it out until the breakthrough happens. Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. Greater is he who's in in me than he who's in the world. You need to say that over and over and over again until you have a breakthrough. For you see, if you keep doing that, the enemy, he'll leave you alone. I wanna encourage you today. I wanna encourage you today that as you look at the war that you're fighting, I want you to realize that your spouse, your children, your coworker are not the enemy. In fact, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter six who the enemy is. Ephesians 6, 12 says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What God is telling us in this moment is that the people around us are not the enemy that we're fighting. We're fighting principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places. And what we need is we need to strap ourselves with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, to be able to defeat defeat the enemy. Now, when you look at the words rulers and authorities, that just refers to the rank. Those who are authorities, 
That word in the original language is the word arch. It's the same word that we use for archangel. It talks about those who have significant authority. And then those who have authorities, those who are listed as authorities, are those who just have administrative rule over specific areas of the kingdom of darkness. But I want to focus a little bit on the next two, powers and spiritual forces. For you see, that actually refers to specific roles. That refers to specific roles. Powers of this dark world actually refer to spiritual special forces. Their specific purview, their specific responsibility is to promote power and oppression in this world. Power and oppression. The enemy tempts people in areas of power and influence. They say to them, if you will trade your allegiance to me, I will give you authority. That's where you see arrogance and pride and brutality and murder and oppression. Some of us, we look around the world landscape and we can't seem to understand why there's so much difficulty and evil in the world. Well, this passage tells us that there are powers of this specific world that are promising people in positions of power that they will have greater power if they pledge their allegiance to them. Now, the second, which is spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. These spiritual forces have a special assignment to promote spiritual depravity, perversion, and bondage in the spirit realm. They specialize in areas like addiction, abuse, neglect, exploitation, human trafficking, and sexual exploitation. These spiritual forces have that specific assignment And when you look at the word evil in the original language, it's actually the word pornea, which is the word for pornography or prostitute. For you see, the enemy wants to put people into bondage, into slavery. But God came to set us free. The the word of God tells us that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. He came to give us life and abundant life. He came to give us a breakthrough. But you'll notice this is that the world and the enemy wants to promise you either power or pleasure but all of it results in bondage. And if you find yourself in a place today where you feel like you're under the oppression of the enemy, God wants to give you a breakthrough today. He wants to break through in your life. He wants to change your circumstance and your story. All we have to do is pick up a sword. The second way to wage war is to clean house. To clean house. Verses four and five says this, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish stronghold. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. There are arguments and pretensions, high thoughts and lofty thoughts and arrogant thoughts that some of us we allow to entertain in our own life. But we must be willing to clean house. We must be willing to clean house in our life, in our spirit and in our soul. In the Bible, it tells us that there are spiritual strongholds Now, some of you may be wondering, what is a stronghold? Well, let me give you a metaphor that's easy for us to understand what a stronghold is. A stronghold, a spiritual stronghold in our life is actually like a small castle. In fact, a better metaphor is it is like an embassy. Now, if you go around the world, what you'll notice is that in different countries, there are embassies. So if you go to Europe, if you go to England, there's the U.S. Embassy. And the agreement that England has gone into with the U.S. is they say, because we've got a great partnership, I'm gonna give you a small tract of land that belongs to you. It's sovereign and it belongs to you. So if you're an American and you're in London and you need some support, you need some, some way, some diplomatic representation, 
you can go there and the moment you step onto that property, you're in American soil. You're on American property in the country of England. The enemy, that's how he operates. He wants to set up a kingdom, a small castle in your life and in mine. And the Bible tells us is that we must be willing to clean house. We must be willing to inventory our own life and allow the word of God to tear down the strongholds that may be in our life. So if you find yourself in a repetitive pattern, maybe of anger or addiction or depression, God wants to give you a breakthrough, but it requires us to acknowledge that there's a stronghold in our life. We must be willing to clean house because if we don't, the enemy will take that stronghold and he will use it as a base camp to continually attack you and attack you and attack you and attack you. We must allow the word of God to tear down that stronghold. Now I wanna clarify, I wanna clarify when I'm talking to you who is a believer, if you are a believer, the enemy cannot possess you, but he definitely can oppress you. So I want you to listen to this following verse with that idea in mind. Luke 11 verses 24 through 26 says this, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Now I'll tell you, as a believer, I don't believe that you can be possessed by the enemy. But I'll say, if you don't do the hard work of allowing God through his word to tear down the strongholds in your life, you're always gonna have a limp in your faith walk. You're always gonna have a difficulty because the enemy is looking for that little toehold, that little foothold in your life so that he can continually accuse you and oppress you and attack you. We must be willing to inventory our life and sweep our house clean. But here's what I wanna encourage you to do. Don't leave it vacant. If you sweep your house clean, your spiritual house, don't leave it vacant. Sweep the house clean and then crown him king. Crown him king over every area of your life. For you see, if he's not the Lord of all, he's not the Lord at all. If he's not the Lord of all, he's not the Lord at all. We must choose to make him Lord of all. The Bible tells us that Jesus doesn't enter into places where he's not invited. The Bible tells us that he stands at the door and he knocks. And if anyone will open the door, he will come in with them and he will dine with them. He will have a relationship with them. Many of us, there are closets and back rooms where God does not have authority. I wanna invite you to sweep the house clean and let him be Lord over every single area of your life. Make him the Lord of the high places, the low places, the dry places, and the empty places. The high places are the places where pride and arrogance and entitlement live. The low places are the places where depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts live. The dry places are the places where you feel overworked, fatigued, and worn down. And the empty places, those are the places where you feel isolated, alone, insecure, or even rejected. If you notice what Jesus did, he went into a dry, arid, 
empty, low place called the wilderness. But even then, he called on the name of God and God showed up and provided his word to allow him to have victory. And you and I, we can have that victory by allowing the word of God to be in our heart and in our life. And I just want to encourage you right now to clean house. And if you feel like you need to clean house in your spirit life, I want to invite you to type clean house in the comments. Type clean house in the comments. Make that public declaration. You don't have to tell anyone what that specifically means, but what you're doing is you're going on record with God saying, I'm willing to to clean house and to crown you king. I'm willing to clean house and crown you king. In just a moment, we're gonna pray. And I'm gonna give you the opportunity to let God, let him be the Lord of the low place the high place, the empty place, the arid place, the dry places, the heavy places of your life. And if you're willing to pray that prayer and declare him Lord over that area, today may be the day of your breakthrough. Today may be the day of your breakthrough. I wanna encourage you, take this seriously, take this to heart, be willing to clean house. And the third way to wage war is to submit every thought to God. Submit every thought to God. Verses five and six say this. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. I wanna encourage you today to not let thoughts run wild in your mind. Don't let them just run amok in your mind. As I was preparing this message, I began to reflect on an experience that I had when I was a very young boy. When I was about 10 or 11, I went to a pig farm up in Iowa. And while we were there, we were having fun, we were riding the combine, we were running through the corn. But one day, our friend Charles, he actually took us to the pig pen. And he had my brother and I run through the pig pen and catch pigs. Now, if you've never done that, catching little piglets is a lot of work. They run very, very fast. But what I didn't realize is why he was doing it. So after we caught all the pigs and put them in a temporary pen, what I noticed is he walked along the fence line of the pig pen and he began to hammer in stakes and put up wire right at the very bottom of the pen. And so I asked him, I said, Charles, why are you doing that? He said, Jonathan, Here's the reason why. For you see, the mom pigs, the sows, they smell the corn and they begin to push up against the fence and they begin to root in the dirt and they create, they create little small areas under the fence. And then the little pigs, because they're small, they're able to crawl out from underneath the fence and they begin to gnaw on the corn. They begin to chew on the corn and they can destroy a patch of corn in one single night. And so every couple days, I have to walk along the fence line and make sure that those pigs are secure and make sure that the boundaries and the fence lines are secure. That's kind of like our thought life. Sometimes we let little piglets run along in our mind and we think it's all right, but little piglets, they can make a big mess. They can destroy the things that are valuable to us. And we must be willing to ask God, to take every thought captive and bring it under submission unto Jesus. And if we're willing to do that, what we'll discover is that God, he will make a significant impact in our life. What we'll notice is that he actually will move us forward. He will move us and he will advance us. 
Some of you who are here today, you want God to work mightily in your life. You want him to give you breakthrough. Well, I wanna invite you to just be courageous. Be willing to say yes to Jesus. Great acts of God start with very small acts of obedience. And if we're willing to do small acts of obedience, we'll see God work mightily in our life. And so I don't want this moment to pass without giving you an opportunity to make God the Lord of the high places and the low places and the dry places and the arid places and the heavy places and the empty places in your life. So if you're in that place, I wanna invite you to bow your head and I want you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, today I need a breakthrough. I'm struggling in this specific area and I can't seem to advance and I don't know how to accomplish a breakthrough in my life. And so I need you to wage war on my behalf. And so I ask you right now, God, to wage war on my behalf. But in order for you to do that, I have to give you authority in my own life. And so right now, God, I choose to make you Lord and the Savior of my life. And I also choose to make you Lord of the high places, the places where arrogance and pride and entitlement live. I make you Lord of the low places, the places where depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts live. I make you the Lord of the dry places, the places where I feel overworked and overwhelmed and worn down. And I make you Lord of the empty places, the places where I feel isolated and alone and forgotten. And Lord, I also make you the Lord of the heavy place, this place of burden, this pandemic. I make you the Lord of that as well. Be the Lord of all my life. I give my life to you. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. If you prayed that prayer, you're qualified yourself for a breakthrough. I wanna invite you right now to just type Jesus in the comments. Type Jesus in the comments. And I want you to follow the instructions on the screen or click on the link. I wanna hear from you. I wanna personally hear from you. And I wanna know what I can do to encourage you in your walk with God. Now, now, I want you to invite you to stand up right where you're at, at home, at your dinner table, in front of the TV, stand up and let's worship the King who came to provide breakthrough for each one of us.
Cause fear has no choice but to bow And chains have no choice but to break And shame has no choice but to leave In your presence Fear has no choice but to bow And shame has no choice but to break And shame has no choice but to leave In your presence submit to you. You give us authority over darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been a delight to have you with us today. I'm praying for you this week. I pray that God would advance you and encourage you in this season. God bless you, and we can't wait to be with you again soon.